In this episode of Books with Bagby, we have Jethro Jones. Jethro Jones is a national award-winning former school leader, podcaster, and author of the books How to Be a Transformative Principal and School X, How Principals Can Design a Transformative School Experience for the People Right in Front of Them. He is also the founder of the B Podcast Network, the best educational podcast network out there. Jethro currently consults school leaders on strategies to help them save time, lead more effectively, and overcome their own weaknesses. Jethro has worked as a principal at all K-12 levels, including a prison school, a district coach, distance learning team lead, and English teacher. Welcome to Books with Bagby. Well, Jethro, welcome to the show, and thank you for being with me. Uh, I'm honored. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Oh, Glad to have you. So today we're talking about School X, just so you know, so you don't get confused with the other book. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what was your reasoning behind writing this book? You know, when we when we talk about um, the the experience of school, one of the things that I learned early on as a young kid, because I went to five different elementary schools and three different high schools, and I skipped seventh grade. I I learned that school is not designed for me as a student. And um, that was a stark realization to have as a student. And in fact, if any of my teachers realized that I became a principal and that I actually became good at it and won awards for it, they'd probably roll over in their graves because I was definitely not the kid most likely to be a teacher or school administrator when I was younger. And I I learned really quickly that um, as I got into those positions, that I could make some changes to make school better for my students, better for myself as a teacher, and then later as a principal as well. And so really, this book was about helping people see that they have much more control over this big bureaucratic thing that is a school system than they realize. And one of the little little tricks that I that I do is I, as a principal and as a teacher, I never turned anything in unless I was asked for it three times. And if somebody asked for it three times, they were probably serious about me actually doing it. So if that was lesson plans or reports or forms or whatever it is, I never turned it in until I got asked three times to turn it in. And then I would finally do it when they finally got to that point. And that didn't get you in trouble? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, trouble is a very relative word. Uh, <laughs> but they weren't going to fire me for not turning in a form. And once I learned that, then I realized they weren't really serious about it. And there were many times, Greg, I'm not kidding, where they would ask for something and then ask for it again. And then I would say, uh, you know, as as they talked to me, I was thinking the third time I'd say, you are you calling about that thing? And they'd say, no, we decide not to do that. And we just, uh, we don't need that anymore. And I was like, well, good thing I didn't waste any time on it since you didn't end <laughs> up using it at all. <laughs> yeah. And sad to say, yes, I was a principal once. And yeah, I totally see that happening <laughs> in the sense where they just want, I don't even know why they want busy work or things uh, from principals or from teachers. And so, yeah, I say in trouble, but I was one of those principals that I didn't have a three times rule, but there are certain things that I, I didn't want to push on my teachers. They didn't need that. 
and yeah. I didn't want to waste my time doing whatever it was. So, yeah. So good really stuff. the, the, the thing to learn there is not that, you know, you, you shouldn't do what you're asked, but the thing to learn is that somebody else's job is different than your job. And if you're a classroom teacher, you have a different job than your principal and principal has different priorities and things that he or she needs to be able to focus on. And that's the same at the district office as well. And so the things you pay attention to, the things that matter are different and you don't have to accept somebody else's priority as your priority at face value. And you can reason through that situation and make your own choice of whether or not that should be your priority. And a lot of things that get put on teachers and principals are not really a priority for them. And it makes sense for them to not do it. So as a leader, what I did is I changed how I asked my teachers for things. And I said, for example, with lesson plans, I told my teachers, the district requires that you turn these in. I am never going to check them unless you're on a plan of improvement. If I if I need to see your lesson plans to know what you're doing in class, that is a problem for me because I should be actually in your classroom seeing what you're doing each day, not relying on your lesson plans that you and I both know are going to change. So I told my teachers, I'm never going to look at these. The district requires that they're turned in, so feel free to turn them in in whatever format you want. But know that I'm never going to check, and I don't think anybody at the district office is going to check. So even if you don't turn them in, I'm I'm not going to have an issue unless you're on a plan of improvement. That's what we have. Uh, that's what we have. You turn in lesson plans for. And sadly, that should be the norm. That should be what yeah. happens all the time. But yeah, yeah uh, make sure you collect lesson plans from all the teachers. So yes, um, in theory. I collected lesson plan. Actually, I never collected lesson plans. Um, there was an assistant principal and she kind of went and looked, oh, make sure their plans are on the desk. And sadly, we played the game that when we knew that we were going to have a central office visit, we would have plans available for them or things. Yeah. What, a, and, what a waste, right? Yes, yes. And when I would do my pre um, observations, I would always talk about the dog and pony show. I was like, I don't want a dog and pony show when I come to your room. I just want to see your authentic self doing what you do. And if it's a dog and pony show, I guess I expect you to see you doing a dog and pony show every day. That's what you do. But uh, don't try to pull out all the stops for me because I just want to make sure that the kids are learning. So, yeah. So, so why do we have a dog and pony show as even a thing that we talk about? I think it's because uh, the expectations of some leaders, not necessarily school leaders, but some even some district leaders, they expect, oh, well, we must have this written on the board and you must have this clear target written on the board. You must have this method on the board and you must have this in your notes and you must have this in your notes so that if anyone from the district walks in, they can know exactly what's going on. It's like, if they're walking in and they observe, couldn't they figure out what's going on? But anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, and this is this really gets to the heart of it. Why do we have um, an expectation that people are, are going to do a dog and pony show? Because they're doing a dog and pony show to satisfy the requirements in the 
evaluation system that a district has adopted. And so yes. rather than actually teaching in a way that is aligned with the vision of the school, teachers are forced to teach in a way that aligns to the evaluation because that's what they get evaluated on. Yep. And this is completely backwards. What we should be doing is going into classrooms and doing observations and seeing whether or not the teachers are implementing the vision that we have for the school. If they're not implementing the vision we have for the school of what we really want to be about as a school, then we should be talking to them about that directly. The reality is, is that 97% of our teachers are already uh, effective teachers according to whatever rubrics we put out there because they know how to play that game. So let's stop playing that game and recognize that the game's already over. Teachers are already effective enough. And let's start focusing on what we want our school to be all about. So here's an example. As a principal, I wanted my school to be all about personalizing learning for our students. And so when I would do observations, I would ask and look for evidence that they were personalizing learning for their students. I didn't really care whether or not they met the criteria for Marzano or Danielson or whatever it is, because that didn't matter. And I had a teacher say to me one time, you know, you you want us to be inquiry based and have personalized learning. And if I write the objective on the board, then my kids are not going to be inquiry based and we're not going to approach this from a from a problem situation and have them come to the answer, they're going to know what the answer is. And that totally defeats the purpose. So I don't think that I should write the objective on the board. And I said, you're absolutely right. If you are achieving my vision, having the objective on the board is actually a detriment because we're trying to help kids understand what their own objective is and learn what they need to learn personally, rather than trying to say, here's what I want everybody to walk out of the classroom with today. Because if somebody isn't ready for that or can't do that, there's no point in making that the expectation because we know that they're going to fail. But we can be very happy if they achieve a level that they are that is appropriate for where they're at. So that's one of those little things that we do in education that doesn't make any sense. And it's driven by uh, national researchers who are not in the classroom doing this themselves and don't know the specific context of the school's that our teachers are teaching in. That's so true. I, I love that. That was great. You're laying it down. Um, <laughs> I'm just getting so, started, Greg. <laughs> uh, apparently. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> so, well, and now that we just opened up with the first question only, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, deep lessons or ideas, and you've gone through several things uh, or you discussed several things, What? but what are the deep lessons you want? to come out of the book or that you want readers to walk away with? Yeah. When, when I wrote school X, I combined the field of user experience with the design of school. And what I want people to walk away from this with is recognizing that they have a lot more power in what happens in their schools and in their classrooms than they previously thought. So many yes. times we feel like we have to do whatever the district says and we don't have as much autonomy. We have to follow this particular curriculum. And the reality is, is there are a lot of ways that you can change what you're doing to meet your own individual needs. And that's what I want people to do. Your school should be serving the people that are actually there, not serving someone else who is far removed from it. Even the superintendent, you should really be designing your school 
for the people right there in front of you and doing everything that you can to meet their needs, not somebody else's needs. That's what I want people to get out of this. Mm. Love it. Uh, That's beautiful. Um, So what was the greatest challenge with, it doesn't seem like you're, you're challenged or hindered by the rules of the district or, or a school, yeah. but what was your greatest challenge in writing this book and putting it together? What, and how did you overcome that? Well, you know, the real thing is every school is different. And how can I write this book that every school should read and apply to themselves without saying, here's what you should do. And so for me, that was the challenge of how do I, how do I get people to say, I'm going to do my own thing and, and at the same time, follow what Jethro says, like those two things are, are not necessarily tied in together. And I don't want to be saying, this is how you should run your school. Like I was really focused on personalized learning. That's really important and valuable to me. And I have the vision for it and can, can execute on it and do good things. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else feels the same way. And that yes. may not be appropriate for a particular school. So the biggest challenge was really how do I articulate these things to people in a way that they will actually want to make change in their school, but make it according to what they need, not according to what I may say. And the way that I approached that was by using um, the design thinking uh, model, which basically says gain empathy from the people in front of you, figure Mm -hmm. out what they're struggling with, and then design something specifically for them start out with the the least viable thing you can do to make a change, the smallest thing you can do to make a change that will have the biggest possible impact and see what happens. And then iterate and improve that and go through it mm-hmm. again and again and again. And that design thinking process is really a powerful way that anybody can look at their situation and say, what can I do to improve it? How do I make this happen? And and what can I do to make it better for the people in front of me? Yes, I like it, especially the whole idea of going in with the understanding that I'm not going to give you the magic bullet for your school. I know that all schools are different because so many times, well, I shouldn't say that. There are times when you read a book and it's like they're telling you to do this, do this, do this, and they've never stepped foot in your school. So that's right. Uh, and think. And <laughs> while while I've interviewed hundreds of people for my podcast, Transformative Principle, and my other podcasts, Resilient Schools and The Authority and uh, My Bonus Money and and been on many, many different podcasts, even with all of that, I still don't know that person's individual situation mm-hmm. and nobody knows their situation as well as they do. And what they need to be empowered to do is to make decisions that will work best for the situation that they're in. Yes. Uh, That's yeah. I need to drop a mic or something right there. Uh, (laughs) So do you have any more publications coming out on the horizon that you can think of? (laughs) I said that Uh, you can think of. (laughs) Yeah. I've got about a hundred books inside of me and it's just a matter of figuring out how to do that. But the next one that I'm (laughs) working on, Uh, somewhat seriously is about resilient schools and how to make your school resilient. And I think that it's a good continuation of school X and how to be a transformative principal and definitely something that, uh, that I want to want to help people see how to make their schools resilient 
against any kind of challenges that they may that they may encounter uh mm-hmm. everything from uh the tragedy of poverty to racism to school shootings and everything in between because it, it's I think it's just going to get worse. The things are going to be more challenging, that things are going to be more difficult going forward. Um, and it's not because I'm a pessimist. I'm actually quite optimistic about the future, but I see if we're not being intentional, I see how easy it would be for things to be more difficult going forward. And if you are intentional, I think that you can have a very positive, hopeful outlook of the future. Um, but if you are if you're just going through the motions and just being like every other school out there, I think it's going to be really challenging going forward. And there are going to be continual roadblocks and, and things that prevent us from living up to our potential. Yes, that's great. And, and I apologize. I just realized I was nodding my head at some of the things I was thinking they can't hear me nod my head, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking forward to your, your books, even yeah. though uh, I have the head nod in there. Um, yeah, so good. Uh, so we talked about the book and your upcoming books. Uh, I have a question for you uh, about your EDU, your education passion, or your soapbox. If you had to give a talk on something you're really passionate about, which I think you just did, or something that a soapbox, which you kind of did that as well, what would you, what would you stick in? Uh, what would you pin, so to speak, uh, for your EDU passion or soapbox? Yeah, really, it comes down to personalizing everything in your educational journey for you, whether you're a teacher, a student, a principal, it doesn't really matter. Nobody cares about your education as much as you do. And the sooner we recognize that, the better it's going to be for everybody. Everybody needs to take control of their own educational situation and make it better from kindergarten from pre-kindergarten I should say all the way up through uh, the highest levels of education you can get and uh, you need to recognize that it's it's all about you that education is for you and in in my belief it's the only thing that you can take with you and everything else uh, is temporary but education can last forever I love it that's great well thank you <laughs> So, uh, Jethro, how can folks connect with you? Um, you say you have a podcast or two, and are you on Twitter, via blog, email? How can yeah. folks connect? Yeah, people can reach me at Jethro Jones on pretty much everything. And uh, what I'd encourage people to do is if you're even considering at some point being a school leader, I go to moveup.transformativeprincipal.com and take my assessment to see if you're ready to move up. That's moveup.transformativeprinciple.com. And that's a short two minute assessment to see if you're ready to be a school leader. And then I help people improve their leadership skills in many different ways. And after you do that, I'll send you a text because I asked for your phone number. And I, one of those things that I mentioned is personalizing things. I want people to connect one-on-one and to know that, I may have millions of people that listen to my podcast, but I want to connect one-on-one with as many people as I can. So moveup.transformativeprincipal.com. Take that assessment, even if you're remotely interested in being a principal someday. Great. And I'll be sure to drop that one in the show notes. 
Jethro, Jethro, this has been phenomenal. Um, yeah. So thank you for being here. I appreciate the time that you took to connect with me today. And uh, well, whether you're in that pre-K room or that college study hall, um, always remember to ask good questions, answer the ones you can, make someone feel special and be great because you are great. Have a great day. <laughs>